later. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so we're live. So I want to thank everyone for joining the Nymphy Regis podcast today. I am excited to have uh, Pastor Sam Linton of the Law Church to, uh, with us today. Uh, he is my first interview of my series that I'm going to be covering about what is a healthy church. Uh, what I don't want to do with this series is we're not going to attack methodology. Uh, different churches have different methods. So if you like contemporary worship, cool. If you think drums are from the devil, also cool, I guess. I don't know what to do about that. But we are going to talk today uh, about the marks of a healthy church. And um, Sam is actually an associate pastor of my wife's church. Uh, she was going there um, when me and Sarah met, and she was going through, maybe we'll talk about it later, their Rooted program, which is a spiritual growth program that was really uh, good for my wife. So uh, just a quick intro. Sam is the associate pastor of the Law Church. He's been there since 2004. He graduated from Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. He's been married to Jamie since 2006. They have three kids together. Um, he also on the side does corporate training and you're also an author. So that's pretty mm -hmm. neat. So you write fiction and nonfiction books? Yes. Okay. So what kind of, what kind of uh, nonfiction are you into? Well, I, I wrote a book in 2017 about anxiety and panic attacks. Uh, I gave okay. it to the church and I released the book in 2020 and I bought a case of them for the church. And literally the day that the case came was the day the country shut down. So I never ended oh, up good. They're just sitting in my office still. So I'm oh. giving them away to people. So yeah. it's for, you know, it was, it's a, a, a how to handle anxiety with yeah. prayer. And we, we definitely needed that during the, yeah. uh, 2020 mm -hmm. like i think 2020 was an anxiety inducer for a lot of people i know i wish i would have so, been one week earlier to get that book out <laughs> yeah that would have been good yeah 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 so are you like when you write when you write fiction what kind of fiction are you into i write a lot of different things i write thrillers um oh, cool. and you know, I've written some fantasy, uh, a lot of it, like I publish some of it, most of it's not published. And, you know, so I do that kind of, it's almost like a hobby. Yeah. Do you do any like sci-fi fantasy or? Um, I've never done sci-fi. I have a lot of friends that do, uh, mainly when I, when you think, when I think fantasy, the kind that I go to is like kind of Lord of the Rings type stuff. You know what I mean? Like adventure, yeah. Yeah. like going through yeah. the wilderness, looking for the dragon, yeah. that type of deal. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a plan this year to get a Limping for Jesus devotional out, mm. and then um, I'm gonna we have a plan. I'm gonna do like a uh, a 90 day devotion, and then we're gonna do a 365, and then hopefully I'll I'll write about my story and about you know yeah how God you finding Christ and cerebral palsy. So yeah, yeah. that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping to do. And then one day, if if I can, I, I do want to uh, try some sci-fi stuff because yeah. I am a huge Trekkie and I am a huge nerd overall. Yeah. But but yeah. so okay, so okay, so um, 
Uh, I want to, before we get into what is a healthy church, I would like to know, um, when did you know you were called to be a pastor? Yeah, so I didn't grow up in a Christian church at all. I, I okay. became a, a Christian when I was 19, and I grew up in a family, kind of a godless family. Um, and when I started, well, what happened was I met a lady that I used to go to high school with. She preached the gospel to me. Um, I became a Christian. And then within a year, I started to have a ravenous desire to read the Bible and teach it. Like I, it wasn't just read the Bible, but every single thing I read, I was like, Ooh, I need to show somebody. Ooh, I need to show. It was like the little boy that gets a toy and yeah. has to show everybody the toy. And I didn't know that everyone wasn't like that. Like I thought that that was the way everybody was. And here yeah. it, I came to find it was more of like a giftedness of teaching. So yeah. after about a year of serving at the church and just doing different things, youth stuff and teaching a Bible study, I realized God was calling me into ministry. And I didn't know how that was going to look because I was heading into business for an accounting degree. So I didn't have any, I had no Bible college experience. I didn't even know how that works. And I okay. had never desired to pursue it, but God just put it on my heart. And I started as an intern at our church and I became the associate pastor and I got all of my degrees while I was actually leading at the church. So it was a great way to kind of do both as the church grew. So that was, uh, you know. so it was all, it was all at the large church. Never been at another church. That's the only That's church amazing. I've ever. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, They're stuck with amazing. me. They're stuck with me, whether they want me or not. Yeah. <laughs> if they I, fire me, I'll still stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have a similar story. I, uh, my family were Catholic, but my Pat said we were good Catholics in the way that I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we don't have to go because we know we're, we're bad people. So, <laughs> so, so I didn't really have a church upbringing. Uh, my, like I had some run-ins with like faith healers and that kind of gave me a bad taste of religion, mm -hmm. but I got saved at 19 and I had this, I got saved in a prosperity gospel church. So, hmm. so when I started to read the Bible, <laughs> I realized, uh Oh, yeah, I'm not really teaching what I'm reading. Yeah. So I had a desire to like teach and preach and I, thankfully, I had a lot of Baptist, this is weird, I had a lot of Baptist pastors around me. Yeah. And and they were mentoring me. And um, I found guys like John Piper and Matt Chandler, when Matt, like, really young. So, yeah. so I got, I got really into uh, reform theology for a bit. And, uh, but I got, my story is similar. So. So that that is rare that someone comes up through a church and reach uh, pastoral ministry in that church. Yeah. I think that's a biblical model. That's cool. So and I, and I love. I tell Sarah this all the time. I I love how uh, you and Pastor Mike, um, who's the senior pastor there, are a good balance for each other. Mm -hmm. um, and because you guys both teach. Uh, even though if you do a topical, what I've noticed, when you guys do topical sermons, you are still expositoring the text for people. And you both do that well. So 
So thank you. So can you remember um, what your first sermon was about? I do. I do remember that very well. I think everybody remembers their first one. It was um, it was when about Peter getting out of the boat. And it's funny because towards the end of last year, I just re-preached this sermon, but I kind of rewrote it. And it was about this idea of the, you know, you know, just the typical what you would expect, like get out of the boat, meet God in the water. Um, I remember having, you know, it was probably like 25 pages long. I mean, I put every, every single, every single thing in that sermon, all the illustrations, all the pauses. And I, I, I remember spending like probably 60 hours trying to put that thing together. And, and I preached on a Wednesday night for the first time we had a Wednesday night church service and a prayer service. And there was like 20 people there and I was so sick to my stomach. I mean, so anxious, but um, it was all about, it was all about um, fear, you know, getting in past your fear and getting out of the boat. And it was, yeah. So it was, it was, it was fun. So 25 points. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It was all everything, you know, when you're first doing it, you like put every single thing you've ever learned in there, (laughs) you know, you're trying to make sure that you, you know, because when I first started preaching, my biggest fear was that I'm going to run out of stuff to teach before my Mm. time is up. Like I'd preach for five minutes and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't have, and I didn't realize as you get older, the problem's always the opposite. You're going to have too Mm. much to say and you have not enough time. So that became, you know, kind of my shift. Yeah. I, I did the same thing. I, I got my first sermon that I ever preached on the cassette tape Mm. and it's 2006 at a youth Sunday service. I was our youth leader, and they let us, the kids, take over the service, and I did the sermon. And I'll never forget. I I listened back to that sermon. I'm like, man, that guy sucked. (laughs) But but it's like, like you, like I learned, and and I know like Andy Stanley is like out there right now. But his one thing that he. I really learned from. I went to a Catalyst conference one time when that Mm -hmm. that was big and the idea of um if god gives you 10 points in the sermon preach 10 sermons mm-hmm. and that really that really changed the way i taught because i i, ne- I never get i i first time i ever preach i i did it at the city mission down in washington oh yeah the, yeah on the shelter down there i had 25 pages of notebooks mm-hmm. and I, like and i get out on stage and they had a big industrial fan that blew all my papers everywhere. Mm. And I was like, I, I was like, okay, God, I guess I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> yeah. And, and from that point, I don't, I don't take notes up with me anymore. I don't do a manuscript. I, I, I do it during the week, but whatever it will be, will be. And I always yeah. like to leave. I always like to leave room for the Holy Spirit to guide. Right. God, mm-hmm. like I don't like to be so stuck on, on, on things. But okay, mm-hmm. so okay, let's get into some deeper topics. Um, what is church? Okay, I'll ask you that. And what is it not? Yeah, well, church is the people. It's the the called out body of believers. And this is a you know Sam thing. I mean, I'm sure there's like a bazillion books and definitions but um so the church is the body of christ 
and it's not a building it's not a denomination it's not uh you know a set of concepts it's specifically those that are called out by christ is kind of the yeah. way i look at the church so when there's the capital c church that is the universal you know called out by christ church then there's the little c church which is our little organizations that we're running to try to continue to um preach the gospel and so yeah. that that's we're all a part of the you know as christians we're part of the capital c and it's our job to get people into the little C so that they grow in their relationship with Christ. Yeah, part part of part of trend that I see over the last ten years at least is that even professing Christians are thinking that they don't need the church. Mm -hmm. And and I, I see the, and one of the things we do here at Nimpy for Jesus is I try to address how to, how to get past church hurt. How, yes. how and I tackle some deconstruction folks, you know, with the, the, the deconstruction movement is huge right now. And I, I get why people, I get why people that hurt keep doing away from the local church. But mm -hmm. when I was reading Mark Deaver's book in prep for this, like he, he says in the book, he says like, like your Christianity and being a part of the church are not separate things, mm. you know, because your personal relationship to Jesus is being reconciled to God and his people. So yes. you, so you need to be part of a local church. So, um, why, why do you think people don't, like I'm talking about like believers who mm -hmm. would call themselves believers. Why do you think in our culture today in the church that people don't see the importance of being part of a local seat? Yeah. Well, I have lots of opinions about this. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, the, the, the first thing I think is the culture, obviously the culture shifts since the pandemic. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, everything's become so decentralized and individualized that there are people that feel like they're connected to, like, for example, you mentioned some churches like Matt Chandler's church, uh, John Piper's church. They're like, well, I'm a part of those churches cause I'm consuming their content. Maybe they give. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, because of all of that being available, it's difficult for them to see that there's a component of connectedness. And again, even that word is become muddied because people are, they're connecting digitally and they're like, well, I don't need yeah. to be a part of a church. Cause I'm like DMing, you know, people from Matt Chandler's church or from Andy yeah. Stanley's church. Like who cares? Right. So yeah. that that's a, a big shift, the shift of individual, you know, kind of pick and choose what, what I want to do. Yeah. The second shift is um, this one's a little more, I want to say it's a little bit more nefarious. Uh, I, I think w as a culture, especially in North America, and I can't speak to other cultures but um i think we've become pretty self-centered mm -hmm. and like part of the yeah. church the local church connection is to find your place to serve and exercise your giftedness in my opinion yeah. just like what you're doing here you know you're exercising your giftedness and leadership and you're you know you're training that muscle if we just consume and go well i'm a part of you know um andy stanley's church because i watch his yeah. podcast and i listen well you're not really because you're not you're not a part of the, you're not connecting in a way where you're giving back. So the self-centeredness part is, 
I, I think it's directly um, Western culture, North American, um, and it's becoming more and more prevalent as the this younger generation comes. I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, you know, yeah. when I was a kid, they I'm I'm not that way. Yeah, I'm just like, saying it's it's a challenge, right? It's it's a yeah. challenge that we have to face. Like I I I hear older pastors all the time preach. People don't want God. People don't want God. People don't want God anymore. I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's and, true. And, and because uh, with that football player getting injured, you've mm-hmm. seen these both teams, these millionaires, realize money couldn't fix that young man's heart. And then you saw that sports center broadcast. He prayed to Jesus yeah. on, on air. So, yes. so I know that I don't want to get into exotology, because I, but um, I know that your view of end times, I think sometimes impacts your preaching. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people can be negative in, you know, whatever, wherever you fall yeah. in times theology. But like when I, when I hear people say, oh, young people don't want God. I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. I, uh, in the book, in the book I'm reading, um, he, Mark Deaver says that he he says this real powerful statement. He says, if you call yourself a Christian uh, and you're not part of a local church, are you really saved? Mm. Because because the understanding of being reconciled to God is to know that you're named among the called out ones. So, yeah. so, so for me, I, I know like when I do a Bible study on the podcast, I usually will say to people from time to time, don't make this a substitute for being part of a fellowship. Mm-hmm. Like see this as a supplement. And I know like when Matt Channer starts his videos, they do an intro where they're like, he, he tells people, be part of the local church. Yeah. So, you know, I was reading um, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 in prep for today. And, you know, I think it was like, I think it's verse 21 that says, like, just because you're not a hand, you can't say, I don't need you if you're a foot. There, there's an idea right now. And it's hard because... Because when I see a church like the Log Church, I see a, a church that's healthy. Like you offer growth groups, you offer light groots, rooted, rooted. Mm-hmm. rooted. So, but it's like, how do you help younger people understand? Like there, when I talk to people, like I'm 41. So when I talk to people my age and younger, and, and I think it started with my generation too. Like this idea that. They think no church in the West can be trusted. And they say things. Mm. I have counsel people. Oh, I I can do church with my boyfriend on the couch watching Charles Stanley or Matt Channer. And it's like, it's like, how, how can you say that? Like, how can you say, you know, the gospel and not want to be part of the body? Mm hmm. Yeah, and I think the disconnection is largely fueled. And again, I I try to be graceful about this stuff, right? So, and I know yeah, you me too. when you're ta- when you're talking to people. So, I um a lot of it is fueled by some of these church hurt stories. You know, use your um use your terminology, um because 
it's like a, a lot of these people, regardless of age, have been sold a bill of goods, and then they come to find that it's, you know, they have Jesus, but then it's wrapped in all of this sinister packaging, you know, stuff with mm. sexual scandal. You have mm. stuff with, you know, leaders that the same leaders that are preaching the gospel or doing, you know, illicit things with money. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's easy for us to say, well, you can't judge Jesus by that person. But in a sense, we don't know what, I mean, I don't know what that's like. Cause I, 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 I hit, you know, I, I hit the jackpot cosmically mm -hmm. in a sense by God putting me in a church where the leaders operate with integrity as, you yeah. know, the standard. And so I have trouble imagining some of these situations. So I'm a little naive yeah. to that, but I, I can't comprehend what I would feel like if like one of the pastors was like, Oh yeah, I got a girlfriend and blah, blah. You're like that would be, that would destroy your world. You know, yeah. it would destroy yeah. you because it's yeah. like, you know, a pastor is supposed to be almost like a consistent part of your family. And yeah. so I think all of that, the culture, the Western culture, the church hurt stuff, plus the prevalence of sermons and different things online, it, it's all feeding into this. I don't need the church, but that's yeah. where saying it's not that I need the church. Like I need to be in the church. I need to be serving the church. I need to be exercising mm -hmm. my giftedness. That's the shift that needs to happen and how it happens. Yeah. I mean, if you, and if you figure it out, let me know because <laughs> yeah. I would gladly <laughs> take whatever uh, advice yeah. you could give, you know, cause it's a problem. All churches I think are facing right yeah, now. In my, in my, in my conversations with, uh, with people that I, I know I can talk about most of my pastoring has been in like small town, rural churches. Um, the idea is we're all a, at that size of a church. You're all a small group. So, mm -hmm. so what I have noticed is this unexpected, this expectation of a pastor being sinless. Mm -hmm. And when he proves to be flawed, like we are, and we need grace too. That can shake people um, because they put us on a pedestal, yeah. and then we're the the Christian the Christian community. I, I know I heard it said before. We're the one army that likes to shoot our own. So, yes. So I think that plays a part in it. And I have always told people, and this is why as a pastor, and and when God's working on my own sanctification. I tried to be who I am behind the pulpit that you'll see at the store on Monday. So I try really hard to do that. Uh, and I know my own, my got my own attempts to do that. Transparency can uh, burn you sometimes, but mm -hmm. part of that church hurt. I tell people you have to understand that your pastor. Yes. He is. He has a high calling. So, you know, First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, their standards are on pastors. However, they're just like you, and they need grace. So, mm -hmm. so this idea of, uh, like you said, like I have noted, like I've been around, uh, you know, I know as a youth pastor, one bad youth pastor who acts out with his student makes it harder for ten legit youth pastors, and. And like, yep. and I think, and I think, right now, the Protestant Church. I think we also get the baggage of scandals, the last 20, 30 years in the Catholic Church too. Oh yeah, because the everyday person just numbs us all 
just lumps us all together. So, so, yeah. So, okay. So, uh, you, you mentioned it. So, let's talk about what should biblical leadership look like. Well, it's going to be as diverse as the followers. So, I mean that that question to me, I guess what what I would take that to be is like, what should be biblical leadership emphasize? And if yeah. if you think of, I mean, because we can always study like leaders and certain traits, but really the the striking difference between biblical leadership and um, leadership in the marketplace would be humility. And servant yeah. leadership. And that's what's um, essentially needs to be modeled. If you look at Jesus and the way he led, his humility, his grace, and being able to focus on the people, um, that's mm. what, in my opinion, needs to be emphasized if you're looking at leadership from a biblical perspective. You still have all of the same things that make a leader great, like the ability to administrate, like the Moses and Jethro situation. Yeah. Like You still look at those types of things from the logistics, but biblical leadership is an issue of focusing on the people and not on yourself. And that's why a lot of these things, like it's a fine line, right? Like you said about pastors or human that we, you know, we are of course, mm -hmm. and we said, absolutely we do. But as a pastor, I say every leader, every, and this is, I don't know where I heard this, but this might be something that it kind of has morphed over the years. Every level of leadership that you take on in your organization, especially in a church it it's a call to sacrifice certain freedoms for the sake of the people. So yes. for instance, you know, like, and I don't know people's stances of people that are listening and I'm not, I don't have a particular thing. You should or shouldn't do this, but there's certain things that I don't do as a pastor that I just don't mm -hmm. do because not because I'm like, this is wrong, but because um, uh, it's probably not good. I don't want people yeah. to think I do this. I don't want people to know I do this, that kind of thing, because it might hurt yeah. them. So I just, I, I purposely don't do those things, you know, and, you know, I'm sure you're yeah. probably aware of some of those examples and what they are, but yeah. I, I, I think that biblical leadership starts with a focus on like others that you're yeah. called to serve by God, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I told Sarah this a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about that topic, like, like legalism pushes people away, but I do believe in so-called, for lack of a better term, personal legalisms. I, I I personally will have certain things I don't do, I don't watch, I don't listen to, yeah, because because it trips me up, and mm -hmm. I don't want to trip other people up. Like I can't watch certain movies, but I'm never going to get in a pulpit and say, uh, you do if you do if you don't do what I do. You're not a good Christian because yeah. we're all we're all wired different. We're all uh, the um, I'm blanking on the passage right now, but like like as pastors, we have to like you said, uh, we just have to be mindful of people are watching our walk, and mm -hmm. we don't want to we don't want to trip anybody up. And yeah, and and so because I learned this, I learned this years ago. I was part of a small group and and like they the leaders of the group they came from another small group that was like more upper upper class and at the end of every study they would get together have dinner and um i like wine or beer or whatever well 
they tried to create that culture at our small group. And we were like, we had some people in our group that were recovering alcoholics. And I remember like, I remember like, Hey guys, we can't, we can't do this. Like one of our gen- one of the guys was there and he was in, reco- he was coming off of relapsing for three weeks. And I was like, if we're going to be representing Christ as a light group, we can't be popping bottles when our brother, <laughs> you know, when our brother battles that. So yeah, so that, is, that, that is, that is a good thing to be mindful of. So, um, yeah. And I think that's pretty much the definition of Christian Liberty, right? I mean, if you look at Paul, when he talks about meat sacrifice to idols and when he talks about how you approach that, he's, saying you could do it, but you have to do it in deference to those that are around you that are weak and not in terms of like your own freedom. And and that's the shift. And so like, it comes down to that shift, you know, so that doesn't, you know, and like you said with legalism, legalism would be on both sides of the spectrum because it would be like me getting up and like, and, and going the opposite direction saying, Hey, I watched this really good R rated movie last night. That's good. And it doesn't have, yeah. and I, I tell everyone they should watch that movie. And then if you come yeah. to me and go, Hey, me and Sarah, like, we're not yeah. like, I'm not a big fan of the R rated movies, you know, whatever yeah. the legalism would also flip where I'd go, Oh, well, what are you? I guess I, you know, I guess I'm, you're holy and I'm not. And you know, yeah. I try to bully you because all of us are so insecure that we're doing the yeah. wrong thing. Yeah. I and, know. I, uh, I, um, one church that I worked at, um, we, I don't know why we did this. We did, at, at the movies. You remember that trend? Oh, I've heard, were... I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard so, it can be done well um, if yeah. they do it, you know? Yeah, so so I remember, you know, Fresh Out Bible College and me and my other pastor buddy, we we were, like, they did manage still. And oh. we were like, we were like, they were pointing out the Christ references in Superman and mm-hmm. and so I know, like I thought that it was trying to reach non-believers mm-hmm. and, and bringing the gospel in a way that was timely. Yeah, um, yeah. But I know some people had uh, issues with the fact that it was like they didn't see it as preaching the gospel, and yeah. I, I feel like I feel like we need to walk a fine line. Because I know, uh, I like what Rick Warren says. Um, he goes, we need to learn how to preach timeless truth in a timely way. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I feel like we, as a church, like Sarah mentions this to me, like when I'm teaching or whatever, try not to sound so churchy all the time. <laughs> because, because I can, like, I believe doctrine matters and sometimes using words like sanctification and adoption and, and all like those or propitiation. I'm, I'm it's amazing. I can say it. So, so <laughs> I, but, but like these words are important. You're you're muted. You're muted. Okay. Can you hear Here we me? Go. Yeah, I can. Your microphone was blinking and then it came yeah, back on. Yeah. Yeah, I hit it with my hand when it fell. I have That's it okay. on this 
I have it on a stack of Bibles. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so like, um, literally, you're swearing on a stack of Bibles, right, Mike? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, know. I can't. I don't. I better not say the wrong thing. So I don't want to be struck down mid podcast. So, so, um, yeah. So I, I, I do believe that, like, like churches, uh, when I like, I try to engage with people on TikTok a lot that are in the. Um, there's a lot of people who were like raised pastor kids who are speaking out against church now, uh, speaking out against Christianity and, you know, being a, being a dad and my son's 12 now, what I have, what I have learned is with a lot of people, when I was a youth pastor, kids are honest Mm -hmm. and teens are honest. And I had a lot of teens tell me, that they came to church because their parents made them. Mm-hmm. And then when they got to college, they go buck wild yeah. because, because it wasn't a, it wasn't real for them yet. And, and so when I, like, we can't, we can't judge anyone's salvation. We can look at fruit, you know, and stuff like that. But when I talk to people on TikTok, let's say they were, you know, the, the one that is really getting a lot of, traction right now is uh john piper's son abraham yeah you still there you're frozen yeah yeah okay you still see me? Yeah. yeah i can now okay. yeah okay so so there is this segment of people who grew up in the church speaking out against the church mm-hmm. that i don't know if what i feel is what happens is the church that they see on the pages of scripture are not what they experience. Mm. And I think that leaves a lot of people jaded. Mm -hmm. So what, what would you, what would you say to someone like that to encourage them to keep looking for a healthy church? So to look for a healthy church, there's a couple things. Um, The first, and I've said this to a lot of people that have moved from, you know, if they move, further away and they can't go to our church. You know, I don't think our church is the healthiest church by any stretch of the imagination, but I'll say this. Every single church you go to is going to have things you don't like about it. 1000%. So like a lot of times people go, I went and they had this and they had this and they had this. I didn't like, I'm like, okay, well, what did you like about it? Well, they, you know, I said, yeah, because these are people, these are human beings and we're running an organization to try to serve people. Right. So the first thing you have to realize is you're going to have to accept that some of those things are going to irritate you and you have to be willing yeah. to l- let that go. And, you know, in my opinion, mm-hmm. but it has to be to your own conscience and convictions. Like you said, if there are certain things that were happening and you felt trepidation because you're like, I don't think this is the right you know, I don't think that these are, well, then you have to make the decision that that's not your church. So the yeah. second thing is um, you have to give it a little bit of time. Um, mm-hmm. You might, you, you, I don't think it's going to be a one Sunday and lightning comes down and this is your church. Like your place is here. I don't yeah. think it works like that. I think after like a couple of weeks of you going, hearing the preaching for a couple of weeks, music, trying mm-hmm. to get involved in something beyond just Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. And that this is where, I, and, and this is going to be completely counter seeker movement, counter emergent church stuff. But this is where I think as a Christian, this burden falls on the person that's going to that church to 
investigate like they would. Like I've always, I've always said if my wife and I, if I was out of the church, let's say like pastor Mike was like, Sam, you're preaching too bad. You're too funny. And I'm insecure about yeah. it, whatever, you know, <laughs> he just tells me I can't be there anymore. Yeah. I have to make a decision. Like I wouldn't go to the church anymore, obviously, because I'd feel like it would be a distraction to the church. Mm. So within a week I would start looking for churches that I, yeah would fit into and it would the burden would fall on me not the churches to woo me like ooh, what do you got what's the group like yeah. ooh, is it is it expository or is it topical do you have life groups yeah. or do you do uh growth groups semester based like what do you yeah. like no the burden is on me i have to get plugged in like you were saying at the beginning like you yeah. know it's my job to get connected to a local body so i have to do my due diligence for lack of a better spiritual term for that to find where I belong and not put the yeah. burden on the church. Like, and I wasn't really being like, I wasn't really fed there. I wasn't being fed there. Yeah. I didn't like the music. It felt like worldly. I'm like, well then go to a different yeah. church. And like, who cares? I mean, I don't mean to be mean, but you have to, yeah. this is where you have to have that grace and be willing to say, this church isn't probably a fit for me. Um, yeah. They're doing a lot of good things, but I'm going to keep looking for my place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, American consumerism has come into the church. Yeah. Um, I, I did a podcast. My last podcast was about, I called it congr con Congressional Consumerism. And I talked about, mm. um, I, I talked about the, like, what's your role? What's your role? Like, I, I did one a couple of weeks ago about, I called it Dear Young Pastors. And I talked about a pastor's role to his church you should do mm -hmm. it because you're called you should do it because you love people if you don't love god you don't love people find something else to do and then mm -hmm. this next this next episode i talked about the the congregation here's what i have learned about some churches that are not healthy and i had a pastoral mentor teach me this church can be the one place where people who don't have any power in their life get power Mm, become, wow that's good they become elders they become deacons they become sunday school teachers and if they don't have the lord on their heart it can be real messy mm -hmm. real fast and it becomes about what they they desire it, it preference preference becomes king mm -hmm. uh, I, I know a lot of local churches who want a preacher to show up on sunday but they don't want to shepherd during the week. No. They, so, so going off your, what you said, what I've noticed about people, and I tried to tell my friends this who are m more introverted, is if you go to certain churches, you can hide in the back for years. Yeah. If your church is a small group, you have to, you have to connect. You have to try <clears throat> because mm -hmm. you know, you know, like even with even with rooted, and I, I want to give you a chance to talk about rooted. Um, yeah. Like like you can hide in root. What I notice, what I notice is um, when I took rooted with Sarah, and I knew as a pastor, I knew this was going to happen. Strongholds weak. Oh people yeah. Dip, people dip out. People mm -hmm. dip out. They come back the next week, but. They're missing out on, I mean, you know, as a pastor, when I didn't know anyone there but Sarah. Uh, 
And, you know, as a pastor, people look at us a certain way. So there was that part of me that was saying, don't be too transparent about your strongholds, Mike. Because you need yeah. to, but, but, but think about the everyday Christian who they feel that too. So, so a lot of times people, I, I feel like they don't give church, a ch- real church, a chance because they're scared to be judged. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, I think that it comes down to, again, kind of what you were talking about on your podcast previously with that previous church experience filtering into their current church, right? Like, so they're taking that like judgmental experience that they had maybe at the last church and they're painting all the churches in that context, especially when they come in. And what we've heard a lot because you know, I'll be honest. And I think if you've been at the church, you'll know, like we don't tend to shy away from like difficult topics and we stay on. uh, No. Yeah. (laughs) So we stay on pastor Mike, pastor Mike thinks out loud a lot. (laughs) Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And as he gets older, that gets worse. So, (laughs) (laughs) so with, with us, um, we're known as like, Oh, they're going to be straightforward and that's just the way they are. Well, what people will take is that we're judgmental. But in reality, I told Pastor Mike a couple months ago, we were talking, and I said, I wish people knew more of how we were behind the scenes than just what they see in the pulpit because we yeah. deal with people that are in things that we preach against, that you know, we like we deal with them where they are because we believe that mm-hmm. that's but we have to stay strong on our stances on these things, right? Because they're two different things. Yeah. Otherwise, you you know, what's the point of doctrine? What's the point of all of it if you're not mm-hmm. taking stances? So yeah. um, but uh, but to answer your question, because I kind of got into the weeds, um yeah, sorry. The judgmental. No, no, that was my fault because my brain yeah. is like, you know, it's like a ping pong. Um, yeah. When with when you talked about how do you avoid that judgmental thing, you have to realize if somebody's judgmental towards you and you're looking for a church, it says a lot more about them than you. Yeah. It has a lot more to say about them than you. So yeah. this is where, and getting back to, I know this, I'm like a broken record, but this is where that self centered mindset comes in. Like if we're thinking of ourselves, what we're going to think of is when I walk through the door of a new church, everyone's thinking about me. They know, they know about my yeah. divorce. They know about what mm-hmm. I'm, <clears throat> and that's just not true. It's just no, it's not, not, not true. And what it is, <clears throat> excuse me, in my opinion, is the enemy trying to keep that person from getting connected with them believing the lie that people are thinking people have their own problems. And I'm not saying that there aren't some, maybe if you're in a big scandal or something, yeah, people are going to be thinking about it, but look at how quickly people forget certain things. Do you think they're going to really be focusing on you? So like, if you go to something like rooted, like I did that strongholds, Mm -hmm. I went, to rooted not in the one that you were in i went to the one after and during that strongholds week i was nervous because i'm like i i want to be i want to be authentic but it's the same thing i don't want to make people feel you know like differently towards me so i was about to do if you remember and i know there we probably should give some context in our rooted discipleship program there's a week called strongholds that mike is referring to and it's a week where you openly talk it you know with a group of men and a group of women they separate them and you talk about they give you a list of the most common biblical strongholds and how to openly talk about these so you can pray for them pray against them and so um 
when my turn came, there was another elder uh, that was with me and Matt Bosco was there, but the other elder, Pastor Joe Abraham, he put his hand on my shoulder and he looked at the other men in the group. He goes, before he says a word, and this was the this was probably one of the kindest things that anyone's ever done in ministry to me. He was like, just know that this is a man who is a family man. He loves his family. He sacrifices for the church. And he said all these things. He said, he is a human being. And him even being here was a big step of authenticity. Yeah. So that means that we have to care about him with as much confidentiality and non-judgment as we would about anyone, regardless of yeah. what he does for a living. And like, it was such a, a, a fresh, like overflow of kindness and caring because he was trying to protect me mm -hmm. against the thing that you are talking about right now, this judgmental thing. And, you know, so it gave me the permission to be authentic in that moment. And I appreciate that. So you have to know your connections when it comes to that judgmental thing. I mean, you don't be open about everything to everyone because some people are going yeah. to hurt you. You know, that it's yeah. a relational based thing, right? Yeah, I, 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 you hit it right on the head. Like, I know when, like, when I was my, you know, when I was a senior pastor, it, it ended with a divorce. And, um, and I felt that fear of, because in my mind, I wanted it to be the, the cerebral palsy, Charles Spurgeon of my day. And then I went through a real life issue of divorce as a pastor and I'm thinking like, because when I was a child, my senior pastor went through a divorce and I saw how he was judged. Like he went from pastoring to delivering pizza to my house. Mm. So, so I had that in my mind and I remember like, um, I remember trying to, like, I knew I had to stay connected to a church. Um, and I know that I slowly put my foot in the water and I, and I know that it was rooted who reminded me that, oh, people are not judging me because of my, they don't even know who I am. No. Like, like, and most people are not thinking about you. They're thinking about no. their kids, their health. Themselves. Their yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I know like when I was interviewed, um, at my last church, like I think, like the small churches are funny. The whole church got to interview me and Sarah, mm. and that's and, a that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 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 uh, uh, I had to explain what my hand tattoo was. I had to explain my marriage. I had to explain things. But the grace there. One woman got up and said, "Well, I've been through a divorce, Pastor, and it makes you more real." And relatable. Mm. We we know you've been through. Uh, fellow pastors, I'm not suggesting that you go through that. Um, fight for your marriage. But if you go through hard things, whatever, uh, God's not done with you and you can be open to a church community. I think that's what you're trying to say. Yes. Yeah. So I remember yeah, and also those hard things, you know, remember, like you have to heal too. So you you mm -hmm. have to evaluate this in your process of healing. And when it comes to the church, like what the enemy will do is he will keep trying to use those hurts to keep you from the next place that God wants yeah. you. 
And the fear of what might be will keep you from the possibility of what could be. And that's what happens when people approach church this way, you know? Yeah. And I got to say, the, the enemy was working on me for a while there. And I, the one thing that helped me, the one thing that helped me the most is like, I had, I had pastor friends telling me to just like take a time out on ministry. But mm-hmm. with my, and I talked to Pastor Mike about this. Uh, and like he said, behind the scenes, like I want because Pastor Mike is so like in your face about biblical matters. Uh, I, I once told Sarah, I don't know if I want him at my bedside yeah. when I'm dying. But, but did but, you notice the different he was behind the scenes? Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. yeah. So he helped counsel me a couple months ago before I had to go to court for. Uh, custody issues mm-hmm. and he was so caring and he he's been there he's been through a lot of stuff with his own kids and mm-hmm. so so what my my point is like i i had to learn like my bounce back because of my overcoming trauma as a kid cerebral palsy all that stuff my bounce back is pretty it's quicker than some people yeah yeah you so, have resiliency yeah so so i i took a year off of all ministry you froze a little bit oh there you go okay i see me back yeah 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 go ahead okay so okay you took it you said you took a you took a year off you said I i took a year off of ministry i i went through divorce care that's a christian council yeah great great program Yeah, I went through divorce care. I did all that. I went through therapy, did all that. Good. But, um, but I, but it, it was needed. But through that year and a half, however, you know, it was just me preaching to myself. There's truth that I used to preach to others. Like mm-hmm. God still loves me. God still has a purpose for me. Like He's not done. He didn't give me these gifts to just wipe wipe them out now so Mm -hmm. so but it it started with what you said is uh like like there were there was that knee-jerk reaction where i couldn't give in to the devil uh believing that people were thinking about me like i was a small-time pastor in a small town of like 600 people Mm -hmm. no one outside of that realm knew who i was so Give yourself some grace, Mike. So yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, and that's the way. <clears throat> that's the way to look at it too. And also that that God can use you in a different season, a different time. You know, mm-hmm. so be. But we all need to heal, and we all like you know <laughs> your podcast. We all need to learn how to live with that limp, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and that's why I tell people like limp, limping mean, could mean limping well, physically, emotional, relational, spiritual. And that's why mm-hmm. God led me to do this ministry because I feel like, you know, I tell people all the time, if I was born without CP, I don't mm-hmm. think God could use me the way he's using me right now because yeah. because people can look at me as a pastor and notice, hey, this guy's been through some things and he still trusts God. And, yes. And, and I hope that that is what people gain from this ministry. But because I know, um, and today, I hope today's episode will help them realize, like, 
don't give up on church because yeah. of of whatever. Like you've been through hurt. So the the one thing that I want to close on um, is it's okay. So Ephesians chapter four says that our role at pastors um, is to equip the saints for the ministry of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So so in your contacts at the law church. Um, how do you get over that idea that Pastor Mike and Sam and the other pastors, it's not all on them, that you guys are the church? Mm-hmm. Um, there's two things, two, two ways that I've kind of crossed that bridge. The first is I realize my own limitations as a leader. Um, I know I'm very, very aware of my weaknesses as a leader. So I know that like there are things that like when we have to do them, I, I do them, but I know that this is not my area of expertise or gifting or even sp- uh, like secular ability. It's not there. Yeah. So first recognizing the limitation that I have in myself, I can't do all the things. Well, I can't, I could can do like a handful of things. Well, yeah. the second thing is re- recognizing that, not only can I not do things well, but there are people that God has called around you that can do them infinitely better. And they're spiritually gifted to do those things. So what we do is like, I'm not going to sit here and figure out how to structure, uh, you know, the technology for the church, but we find people Mm -hmm. that are gifted in those things and we empower them because that's what God's using them to do. Pastor Mike does mm-hmm. that. You know, if he finds someone, this is who's leading this, this is it. And we empower them to lead in the way that God's calling them. And it usually works out a hundred times better than we would think. So it's not just the fact that, you know, we're in charge, but what we're in charge of in terms of the administration of the ministry is we're in charge of equipping people to do what God's called them to do. That's what yeah. the that's the thing according to that passage and according to the implications of the pastoral epistles it's an overseer it's not a overdoer right yeah and so that's that's where kind of our philosophy is on that okay do you uh before we close do you have any closing thoughts um no i just appreciate what you're doing and how you're trying to help leaders and how you're tr- help, trying to help people get connected and the last thing I would say is just to emphasize what we talked about in terms of if you're looking for a church, um, don't give up on the idea of church. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, it's the vehicle that God is going to use maybe to get you connected into a more meaningful way with him. And sure, you can find him online. Sure, you can have a relationship with God online, but we're called to connect. We're not meant to be you know, separate and siloed and you can have meaningful connections online, but you have to consider not just like being a consumer, but being a participant and actively engaging in online community, right? Like kind of like what you're doing here. It's like active. It's not passive. It's not just like, Oh yeah, I'm in church because I watched a sermon. No, I'm in church because I led a group or I, I connected to somebody. That's the the difference. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I, I, I am so grateful that you were the first pastor that I got to interview in 2023. Well, thanks. I I have a couple of my other buddies um, lined up to be interviewed from different church settings. I have a buddy that planted a church with his wife down in North Carolina, and I got a buddy in Pittsburgh that is a church planner also. Great. 
and then this weekend from your church, I'm interviewing Matt Candace. Uh, oh yeah, Matt. Matt's yeah. the best. Honestly, he's the best. So yeah. I can't even say enough about him. Yeah. Like we're going to be talking about the importance of serving the Lord together as a couple. So, yeah. So I'm I'm totally pumped for that. Like with this podcast, I'm trying to give people. Uh, I'm trying to share them that Christians are real. We're relatable. You know, we're not. We're not. You know. We're not mm-hmm. hiding in our homeschool huddles with our King James Bibles, thinking everyone else is bad. Like we, yeah, we go, through, we go through stuff too, and we had this the greatest story ever told. We had the story mm-hmm. of Jesus becoming a man, living the life that we can't live, dying the death we deserve, and we get to become part of His family now. So yeah. thank you, thank you for uh, being a part of this and. And for the first of my uh, "What Is a Healthy Church" series, right? Uh, so, so hopefully the feed, the internet was uh, didn't totally cut out on us. <laughs> a couple of times we both froze, but yeah, it, it's it's what you get with uh, live broadcast. Live, so, yep. So, yeah. so thank you, Sam. I hope you have a thank great you. rest of your day. And uh, to everyone else, uh, well and limp love. God bless and have a great day. Okay. All right. Good seeing you, Mike. All right. See you, Sam. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.